If you're dreaming, God is speaking. And what better way to learn to interpret your dreams than the Breathing Underwater membership? This is a monthly subscription mentorship where you will have access to monthly live Zoom calls where we do live interpretations and learn to hone our skills together in community. You will also have access to a private Facebook group with weekly video teachings, and there's more. You will also have a one-on-one 60-minute coaching call with me every month, and all for less than the price of a single coaching session. Because it is my heart to walk alongside you and see you grow into all that God has for you. So sign up today, join the community. We would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. Margot here. I am thoroughly geeking out on the number 34. It is profound. And I have to say, I've never learned the interpretation of it before now. But this being episode 34 of Breathing Underwater, I'm going to tell you all about it. You are welcome. Not only is it the double of 17, and if you remember episode 17, I taught you that 17 is overcoming victory. So 34 is the double of that, double over coming victory. Yes, please. But I also found two other interpretations that marry and overlap in this, and I'm just so excited. The first one is from Troy Brewer, who I have mentioned before. He is a bona fide number nerd, and I love him for it. I read something where he said the number 34 has to do with the importance of getting our true identity, because in scripture, it will often point to naming or receiving a name or giving a name. So he took all of the different references and put them together and analyzed them and came up with the interpretation of the importance of true identity. And I came across a website that I am very happy to have stumbled upon, but it is all about teaching the Hebrew language, uh, biblical Hebrew, Hebrew numbers, etc. And so I was looking up the number, the Hebrew numbers of one through 40. And it says this, the number 34 in Hebrew was written with the letters Lamed and Daleth. I might be botching the pronunciation there. I'm sorry. Lamed and Daleth. Lamed is authority and Daleth is a door. So it has to do with the authority to walk through the door or enter into a house. One may lawfully enter after they have identified themselves. And so 34 is the number of identity. Here it is again, true identity. But wait, there's more. I couldn't help but immediately think of John 10 because it's one of my favorite scriptures. And I just so happened to reference it in our interview today, and it reads this, John 10, 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Jesus is the good shepherd. He doesn't have to climb over the wall 
He doesn't have to twist or push or manipulate or shame. He just can come right up to the door and we recognize his voice. And I think this is especially important imagery when we're talking about discernment because it is all about discerning the voice of God. What we're sensing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, mm, is that God? Mm, that feels out of bounds. That feels twisted. That feels negative. That feels like it's pushing down. Those are all indicators that this is a spirit that's trying to come over the walls. It's not coming right up to the gate. Jesus comes right to the gate, right to the door, and he will identify himself. And it is so easy to let him in because you recognize, oh, this is you. The door almost just immediately opens to him. And I would even be as bold as to say it so naturally opens to him that if you're finding your heart hesitating to open to a voice, I would really question if that's him. I think your your gatekeeper, the gatekeeper in your heart is really smart <laughs> and is really discerning and has the natural ability to respond to the shepherd. So if it's hard for you to open the door to a voice or a phrase or a word or something like that, something that you're discerning, definitely pay attention to that. Now, of course, we could also have had a history of really bad teaching or having scripture used and twisted. And so it can make it more confusing when we're discerning what we are opening the gate of our heart to. Absolutely. And we're going to speak to that a little bit today. In episode 34, my friend Brienne and I are finishing off the discernment series and we're talking about religious abuse. Religious abuse, a religious spirit, shame, control, how those are all related. And you know that just because you hear scripture, someone speaks scripture to you, doesn't mean that it's Jesus. Yeah, I know. Just because you hear scripture doesn't mean it's the voice of God. Now, all scripture is God-breathed. But we know even Satan can quote scripture, and he certainly did it in the wilderness. So this is another exercise. You might be hearing something that sounds right, but it doesn't. you don't want to open to that. It doesn't feel right. This could be an indicator there's a religious spirit or religious abuse going on. So here we go. Well, we are back with our second installment of Brian and Margot's podcast. JK, this oh, yeah. is breathing underwater, <laughs> but we were joking about how we could have a podcast and call it Go Go Brienne. Which or, is hilarious because <laughs> I do not like to be in the forefront. <laughs> but Go Go is my nickname, so that's why yeah, it would have been yeah, Go Go Brienne. Or we could have called it Gian <laughs> or Marin. No. Brigo. Brigo. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the second edition of Brigo. Actually, technically, it's the third because you were on episode five. I digress. Okay. Today, we are giving the second part two, the second chapter, as promised, because we delved into last week exposing manipulation and control, talking about narcissism in this series on discernment. Because some spiritual dynamics are a little bit harder to discern than others mm -hmm. and really just take naming for us and other people to recognize, oh, that's what that is. That's not normal. I've always done that. Wait, I feel that all the time. So our prerogative in talking about what we're going to talk about today, which is religious abuse, it's a heavy term, but it doesn't have to be heavy because we're essentially just wanting to shine the light on a dynamic that is coming and getting in the way of our intimacy with the Lord and is trying to essentially redefine 
God's character. And so we just get to expose this and flick it aside so that we get to know Jesus more truly. Like that's what our heart is about, that you all know Jesus truly, that you see him rightly. And religious or spiritual abuse is a way that things get really twisted inside spirituality, inside religions, inside Christianity, which is specifically what we're going to be talking about today. Because Brienne and I both have experience with religious abuse and it might look different than you think, which is why we're going to tell a little bit of our stories. Brienne has experienced it a little more in the flesh, in the person, in actual circumstances, in interactions with human people and leadership, where I would say I experienced it more through kind of an internal system Mm -hmm. that came from my generations. Although I would say both of us have experienced both. Mm -hmm. Those are our kind of primary modes of reference. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have... Brienne share some of her story. I'm going to share a little bit of mine as well. And we're just going to have a conversation about religious abuse. And our heart is that you, if you're identifying this in your own life, that it would actually be a sigh of relief that you would be able to name, oh my gosh, that's what that is. That's not Jesus. That's not the Lord. And that you would find that his yoke is easy and so light and that you would go to him in discerning what to do with the revelation that you have. And if you're getting revelation about your church or about a system that you're involved in, our heart is not that you would go and badmouth or tear down, that it, you would actually take that revelation to God and take it very seriously on on how he wanted to, you to interact with that revelation. It might just be simply for your freedom. It might not have anything else mm-hmm. for you to do. So we're entrusting you with this revelation today because you are all mature people and you all have a relationship with Christ or the ability to have your own relationship with God. And so we're entrusting this to you, which I think is really a beautiful way to start because in and of itself kind of is the confrontation to what religious abuse is, (laughs) right? So on that note, Brienne, if you were to define it, what would you, how would you define religious abuse? I'd say it's utilizing religion to control and manipulate you <laughs> that's the shortest well, that's pretty that I straight. could possibly get <laughs> that's hilarious yeah I, I think for me it's been a system of beliefs or principles or even just church structure that's mm. created confines around what God can and can't look like and who can and can't hear from him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, we learn who God is, who is, he is and is not through scripture, right? And of course, then personal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So correct me if I'm wrong, in these institutions, it's taking scripture and twisting it or coming up with own ideas and putting it on yeah. religion or God. Yeah. You have had like actual physical experience of being a part of a network, I guess, or a web of Mm -hmm. kind of a religiously abusive system. Yeah. Specifically in a church that you've gone to. Yes. Do you feel like you want to share any of that and what that was like for you? Yeah, maybe a bit. I, I was in leadership at a church where this was very prevalent and I just was not aware. Hmm. 
I didn't know I was stepping into that. I was, uh, I was 13 when I started going to the church. And then I was 16 when I started dating the pastor's kid and 18 when I married him. And then I was just sucked into leadership in that Mm. space. And I just got to see it all at a very close proximity. A very close proximity, indeed. (laughs) And it definitely gets muddied once you're in family also and how that gets used. But that's for another day and another time. I, I mostly experienced it as a leader saying that he was the voice of the Lord for me mm. versus building a trust in me that I'm able to hear from God myself, mm. uh, that I can hear from him and mm. that the way I hear from him might be different than the way anybody else does. And there just wasn't freedom like that. Mm-hmm. Though there was talk about praying and, and it's funny because I think with religious abuse, it always has a facade to it where it's like we're saying the right things and doing the right Mm. things but underneath it all it's just not it's something's off Mm -hmm. and it would just kind of show its face here and there not enough to be like oh this is this is wrong Mm -hmm. not enough to name it Mm -hmm. and then I I didn't have language I just didn't have the knowledge Mm -hmm. to do it and I think I think the subject came up because you're talking about discernment and when I was in that space, I, it's like I couldn't have d- the right discernment because I was never able to trust my discerner mm. inside of me. Mm. Why couldn't you trust your discerner? I think the the oppression of of that religiosity mm. kind of desensitized me mm-hmm. from being able to hear from the Lord rightly or or just trust myself in general. Mm. So even if I was feeling like something was off or wrong, I didn't have enough confidence in myself to even believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, I mean, it's, it sounds like that age old, like you can't trust your heart. It's evil Mm -hmm. kind of flesh thing that we've talked about before. Was, was that a part of that? Yeah, that was, that was a big part of the teaching was that, uh, you know, you had to like put your flesh down. And your flesh was your mind, your will, your emotion, like your soul. Mm. And that was just bad, period. Don't use your mind, don't use your will, and don't use your emotions because they're evil. Mm -hmm. AKA, just always be at war internally. Woo! Who does that sound like? Hmm. I'm sorry. I just have to interject and say this right now. Scripture actually talks about Jesus says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Remember when those Pharisees were accusing him of casting out demons by the power of a demon? And he's like, what do you mean? I can't even do that. Yeah. Don't you know that a house divided against itself can't stand? Division, internal war, like yes. none of that is fruit yes. of yes. the spirit or the Lord, which right there mm-hmm. is like the fingerprint of the enemy. Perfect. Let's keep you yeah. internally div- divided. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what went hand in hand with that teaching was, uh, this was a big uh, word of faith movement church. Tell us a little bit about that. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say I, I believe that our words have power. Mm-hmm. And word of faith is just all about your your speech and what you're saying and how that has power, how God created the universe with his words and how we have the same creative ability with mm-hmm. our words. Mm-hmm. We create our future. We create our present. Whatever's going on right now, like that's from words we said in the past. This mm-hmm. is the word of faith movement this specific church used it in a way where 
not only did we always say what we wanted to happen in our lives and like confessions were a huge thing, but we also just could not, we couldn't say what we were really feeling. So Mm. if you were asked how you were doing, it's like, oh, well, we don't actually talk about the bad things because if you're going to say how you really, I'm feeling actually really depressed or I'm feeling anxious or I'm, I'm actually really worried because my blah, 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 you know, like whatever was actually going on, the real things in your lives, saying those things would like perpetuate mm. these negative things to happen in your life. Mm. So it was, we don't say that. So you're afraid of being truthful. Yeah. Being truthful, but also just emotions in general were pretty like, mm. pretty much like a no, no. Like it's just very emotionless type space. Like emotions can't be trusted? Yeah, can't be trusted. But then we just didn't talk about them, like Mm -hmm. what you were feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just wasn't really a thing. So hand in hand with the the flesh is something that we don't trust. Like don't trust your mind. I'm over here. I'm, I'm, I'm a creative artist. So like imagination is a huge thing. It wasn't until recently that I realized... Oh my gosh, God uses my imagination. Yes, he does. God uses my emotions. He God, gave it to you. God talks to me through all these things. I'm a new creation in Christ. Like everything about me is renewed because of him. I am born again. Every single part of me is born again. Preach, girl. Anyways, those two things kind of went hand in hand in this idea of I can't trust different parts of myself. Mm. And therefore, I'm really dependent upon this pastor to tell me what God is saying because I'm I'm not trustworthy to be mm-hmm. able to know that somehow that. he's mastered his flesh he's mastered it and he's anointed as a pastor to stand in that place mm-hmm. yeah. and if we're saying he right now because that was your experience but this could absolutely come from female leadership totally. too absolutely were there any female leaders in that church there were uh, there were there were women who would get up and teach but honestly I it was mostly male driven and females definitely held the old school role of homemaker, cooking, cleaning, partner, helper, sidekick was, was definitely the lesser. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which we're not saying any of those things make a person lesser. We do those things. We love taking care of a home and cleaning and cooking and doing those things. That's a part of life. That's a part Mm -hmm. of, what it means to build a home but when you're relegated to that only and that's where you have to stay yeah it's a very different thing yes and Mm. it was it was more like that Mm. there were definitely comments along those lines we're talking about kind of like we said before a, a structure that was definitely oppressive that's inside this religious underneath this religious name in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, these things are happening. But I just want to say too, like when we're talking about a religious spirit, that is a part of everything that we're talking about. But I kind of want to just name stuff about a religious spirit so that people even recognize what a religious spirit is. And I'm going to make kind of a bold statement, but I would say a religious spirit is controlling, period. Like its agenda is to control and to focus on works. I have experienced a religious spirit continuing to just point back at me. Mm. I'm not doing enough. If I tried harder, if I prayed harder, 
kind of reminds me of that word of faith thing. If I would have just said all the right things and not said anything wrong, then this yeah. bad thing wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. So it's like, stay within these lines, stay within these boxes. I mean, scripture talks about how the Pharisees took it to such a legalistic extent that they would tithe a tenth of their herb, you know, their their rosemary that they, in their garden, they would take a snip wow. of a tenth off of that and, and tithe that. And they thought they were doing the right things, you know, which if that's coming from a heart of just sheer delight and love and generosity towards the Lord. That's a completely different thing. But they were, Jesus was saying, you do these things, but your heart, your hearts are far from me. You know, like it talks about in yeah. the prophets that's, he was essentially calling them out like your whitewashed tombs. You're doing all the right things. You're making it look like you're following me, mm-hmm. but you're actually just following the law. Your hearts are far from me. Yeah. And so that's what I think of when I think of a religious spirit is it makes it about did you tie the tenth of your rosemary? So good. To that down to that tiny itty bitty little thing. Did you realize that this is actually all on you? There's a, a punishment mm-hmm. kind of mentality that almost comes with it. Mm-hmm. And I would say most of us who are Jesus followers or Christians wouldn't say like we ex- experience Jesus as someone that wants to punish. But then when we actually listen to the kind of accusations that go through our mind and spirit, which listen, I'm going to be honest, I still have stuff like this come up all the time. Yeah. I have to catch it. Yeah. Where I'm recognizing like, oh man, I bet that wouldn't have happened if I would have just prayed more. I should have prayed more. And I'm like, dang, religious spirit coming to accuse me Mm -hmm. and oppress me. It's trying to control me. Mm -hmm. It wants that part of my understanding of the Lord. Yeah. It doesn't want me to know him as utterly gracious and utterly enough Mm -hmm. and already paying the price. It wants to diminish what he did once and for all on the cross, period. It wants to add to it. Like there's still more that we have to do. Yeah. And that isn't, we're not talking about a co-laboring with the Lord. He he does invite us to do things with him, but it's this performance thing, this heavy thing that's put on us. Yeah. Do you have experience or want to say anything about that? That's so good, Margo. Yeah. Well, as you're talking, I guess I'm, I'm reminded of, of this one main situation where, uh, I experienced that. What, what you're speaking about where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't do everything I was supposed to do or I didn't, I didn't follow, quote unquote, the will of the Lord for my life perfectly mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. a T. And so therefore bad things are going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. That was a very real narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think it still does come around. I think sometimes we as people just come up with narratives based on something that is true. Like, mm-hmm. Like, let's all gather around and pray for a certain cause. And in our prayer, our prayer is powerful and it's going to break. And so therefore we think, oh, if it didn't break, maybe we didn't pray enough. Yeah. Like we come to Formulaic. conclusions all on our own. Yeah, creating a formula. But this one specifically was, well, this one had to do with, I mean, my calling. I, I'm definitely called to the arts and entertainment world. And I felt led to move to L.A. and go to fashion school. And I left this church that I just spoke about and felt like I heard from the Lord. <laughs> and the, mm. the church did not believe that I was hearing from the Lord and warned me and cautioned me and even shunned me uh, as I left and told people not to contact me as I was going. Wow. Yeah. And, and when I got there, I was only there for maybe a month and a half. And then I got terribly ill, like really ill. And, and I almost died. I spent three mm-hmm. months in a hospital and I had a really rare blood disease and 
it was extremely traumatic it was awful and I'm not going to go into all of that right now but the point was I mean Jesus completely miraculously healed me (laughs) in an ICU room I took communion it was through grace it wasn't through reciting a hundred scriptures in a row it was not through works even though I was trying all of that and that was really overwhelming to try and do all of that while I was in the hospital it was through taking communion and receiving his blood as whew, yeah and his body as broken so mine can be whole and ingesting that and receiving healing my body and it was in that moment where I felt the Lord and his presence filled that room and I met him in that space and I got healed and from then on I got better which was amazing (laughs) and I could say a lot more about that but that's not for this very moment but coming out of that situation this church let me know that what happened to me was because I didn't follow the will of the Lord for my life so Mm -hmm. I got really sick and I almost died because I didn't hear from God correctly Mm -hmm. and I didn't listen to them because they hear from God correctly Mm -hmm. and honestly I had met Jesus in that ICU room and I didn't feel like that was him I didn't feel like that was the God that I met but Mm -hmm. I was still really confused about what happened and why it happened and I didn't have reasons and so that one stuck yeah until I until the Lord answered me and gave me the reason why that all happened which wasn't for years later but I left that space realizing like wow if me missing the Lord means I could die like what am I jeopardizing so much pressure so much pressure so much pressure on my shoulders for hearing the Lord for myself so it was a lot easier to Mm -hmm. trust other people to hear from me Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. becomes really reliant Mm -hmm. yeah well and that's something about because uh, that kind of teaching about really bad things can happen and you're I mean, essentially, he didn't say it with, they didn't say it with these words, but like, you're essentially being punished for not doing this perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. The language right? was, the language was more like, uh, if you don't follow the Lord's will for your life, then you are stepping out of his umbrella of protection mm-hmm. and therefore the enemy can get you. So it's not like the Lord is punishing you. Well, kind of. Like, yeah, it is. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what it is. taking his umbrella away. The Lord is closing his umbrella yeah. over your life. And the enemy has free reign. And would a good father ever do that? Would any of us with any of our children be like, listen, this is what I want for you. And as soon as you step out of that, sorry, I'm not protecting you anymore. You're on your own. It's wild. I'm going to let you go to the wolves. I mean, it's ridiculous when I say it out loud, but, but we believe this. And I think the reason I want to bring this up again is because, of course, you didn't even though you had this encounter with Jesus and there was this miraculous healing, that that one kind of stuck because mm-hmm. with abuse, and I would say especially religious abuse, but you know, ma- manipulation and control, like we were talking before, where you're you're raised with the boundaries being off. Mm-hmm. What you're being taught and the structures that are being laid down internally about what's right and what's wrong and who you are and what you do and what you don't do and all of those things are laid down incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Like the boundaries are in the incorrect places. Yeah. So especially going from the, starting at this church at 13 for crying out loud, so young, and it yeah. could have started before that, you know, with other religious teachings, but that being laid down already, like that's just not going to go away in an instant. Like there's had to be 
continual practice of renewing your mind and talking to Jesus and meeting the true Jesus for this to continue to fade. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I think I love talking about religion and religious abuse because so many of us have experienced this. If you grew up with any kind of Christian background, I think there is a degree of which we have Mm -hmm. experienced this. And more old school kind of even religious structures that what we currently have were born out of went through different phases of belief and different reforms you know we're kind of always going from like one degree of extreme to the other and so I'm not poo-pooing any generation for the revelation that they were stewarding in that time obviously this is all based on scripture but our own experiences and cultures play such a huge role in how we interpret scripture too, Mm -hmm. that if we're not reading the word for what the word is and what it is saying alone, and even interpreting it through the intended culture that it was intended for, it's really easy to take some of that stuff off and make it sound, and it sounds really religious and it can sound controlling and it can sound misogynistic mm-hmm. when we're taking it from that culture and we're placing it on all our culture. So I can see yes. why we want so much to be in right alignment with scripture because we want to live righteously. We want to know the Lord. We want to live holy, but we have a, a skewed lens on it. Mm-hmm. And we use that to quote unquote, convict other people, right? Yeah. Of what's right or what's wrong that turns into religious abuse. Mm -hmm. Like when we have an agenda and we think something is one way, but it's skewed and we're using that as humans Mm -hmm. to try and get other people to do the right thing, you know, or to convict them. Like first and foremost, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. That is his job, period. Right. He convicts us of sin. And the Lord draws us to repentance through his kindness. That's what it says too, that his Mm -hmm. kindness will lead us to repentance, which is so like him yeah and yet we feel like well if i just bring this scripture to this person and admonish them with it which i get it scripture also talks about admonish one another Mm -hmm. right but when it comes through the wrong lens and there's just the tiniest bit of twisting where we have control or this desire to actually make someone do something or get them to see something our way Mm -hmm. we have to be careful because we just we don't want to use scripture yeah yeah it's alive and it is it is pointing to Jesus. It is pointing to who he is and how he thinks. And if it's not actually drawing people toward him mm-hmm. and it feels like people are going further away, mm-hmm. like we got to listen to that. What, what is that about? Yeah. I mean, I find, and this is minute, this is not a system, but I experience people still, and I'm sure I've done this in my own life who maybe disagree with the choice I'm making and they'll give me a scripture that backs up their idea, Mm -hmm. supposedly. And because it's a scripture, it's like this should be the end all be all truth. But it's completely out of context for how God is speaking to me. It's not that moment the way they gave it to me and delivered it to me was not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I believe that the Bible and scripture is entirely infallible and is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Don't miss what I'm saying. I believe that. Yeah. But when we take it out of context and we use it in a space that God isn't speaking through in that moment, it becomes just a statute. It Mm -hmm. just becomes like 
the formula outside of relationship mm-hmm. or we're using it to try and control yeah that I feel like I said that in a really roundabout way but and I think you said this at first that it's it's more of a minute expression of the same thing right where I think the goal here is giving examples or you you can you're probably going to bump into that one more than any other one that's true and doesn't it's mean necess- it's in the system of the church, right. but and not necessarily something you're gonna like run around with your red flag, being like religious abuse, religious abuse, mm-hmm. religious abuse. Mm-hmm. Like it comes through your friend and your uncle, and like you know all the people that are that mean well, but you might be in the middle of making a big decision or having a hard time, and people are actively trying to hear the Lord for you, yeah, and yeah, well, yeah. probably mean well, uh, yeah, but they might come to you with something that they think is right and your heart is going, ugh, ugh, ugh. That doesn't feel good. It feels that, religious. Not, that feel like the Lord. Yeah, it feels religious. Yeah. Like just providing language for you to be able to name that kind of stuff. Totally. Totally. And it's so crazy. I, I think you've experienced this, but I can read a scripture in one moment or one or one context and it is full of life and it is speaking to my situation and God is ministering to me and we're connected. I can read that same scripture in context of a different situation and it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Have you had that happen? Yes. Yeah. What would you call that? <laughs> Probably taking the word out of context, I guess. Yeah, right. Or, I mean, they also talk about you know, we talk about like the rhema word of God where mm. it's like, what is God actually breathing on currently mm-hmm. and how is he breathing on it? Where I can read a scripture and see something so new and different that mm. I had never seen before. Mm. Maybe never heard anybody teach on it that way before, but it comes into a different light. There's like a new revelation mm. in my current season that hasn't been there before. And in that, like when we say rhema word, that current word, like there's his presence is on it in a way that's drawing you to him mm-hmm. with that scripture in a, in a current applicable moment, right? Is yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. I think I want to add this just briefly is a part of the, I would say, religious spirit or religious kind of abuse that I've experienced really came through, I think, an internal system that was built in my generations. I don't remember a lot of people or systems being confronted with them like you were, where people are adamantly telling me, like, you can't trust that. I know the word of the Lord and you don't. But that kind of voice, that kind of energy has been very present internally for me. And I don't know if I had was discerning it externally, like those kind of spirits were around in the kind of church environment I grew up in. But I definitely know as I've gotten older and connected with God more and done more inner healing that that has come through my generational line because there was a history of manipulation and control and religious abuse and those things back a ways. We can actually inherit those same ways of thinking, those same structures, those same strongholds in our mind. And because that was there, I still have to watch this sometimes when I'll read scripture. It's like certain scriptures I'll actually read through a lens of that same kind of religious film or through that kind of misogynistic, abusive tone. And I have to catch myself and I don't always catch it when I come away from scripture feeling like Jesus was abusive, you know, like, wait a second, why would you say that like that? And why would you tell those people to do that? Like that feels really bad, but 
I would say the key in that even is like recognizing how you feel when you read a scripture and going to Jesus and saying, why do I feel this about you? Because what I know about you is that you are about freedom and that you are compassionate and that you are slow to anger and that you are abounding in love and faithfulness. So this does not feel like that. Why am I picking this up when I read this scripture? I don't want to go through the word and just not like that part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it isn't about picking and choosing the parts that just feel good. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying there's maybe a discernment that's coming because you're reading it through a religious lens or you're reading it through a lens that was put on you mm-hmm. through maybe the church or the structure you grew up in or through the generations. Have you had that experience? Yeah. Maybe not quite as much as you. Yeah. As what you're saying. But yeah, I think mine's more I don't I don't know that mine's inherited like yours is generationally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think with whether I know it or not, a scripture's linked to something somebody preached. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like hearing some dude's voice, you know, preaching about the scripture and having a religious lens on it mm-hmm. because of that. I think mm-hmm. that's more so what comes up for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I will say, I've had plenty of moments. I mean, I've been with you in moments when I'm processing certain things and feeling conviction about something. And you've always been so good at asking me good questions of like, well, you know, when the Lord actually convicts us, like it's in kindness and it actually, like you feel close to him and it Mm -hmm. feels good. It doesn't feel shameful. And you've named things like that for me where so many times I've had this perfectionistic shamey condemnation-y thing that comes over me where I'm like oh I should be doing this or I should be doing that or whatever the accusation is and and you've been really good at naming or just giving that that picture of Mm. yeah the Lord when he comes to us it's in kindness and it's actually going to feel good Mm. when he comes to correct us Mm -hmm. like we're going to appreciate it Mm -hmm. and I have had those moments where he comes and corrects and I'm like oh I feel relieved that you just told me that. I feel loved that you just told me that. Totally. Little sliced, but like unto gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel shamed. Mm -mm. Mm. And that I think is, I've been thinking about this the whole time we're talking and we're going to have to close here in a minute, which Mm -hmm. I'm so sad about because I think we've barely touched the surface. But just to give, like you said, our, our prerogative is to give language because we're still talking about discernment. And I think this is a big daddy. I think people are like, oh my gosh, I got so many of those lenses yeah. <laughs> internally, which even as we're talking about it, I'm like, so do I still. Yes. But shame, mm-hmm. shame, 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 shame. I mean, shame is like a key ingredient with control. Mm-hmm. Shame is a key ingredient with religion. It's a key ingredient with religious control <laughs> yeah. and spiritual control and abuse because shame tries to control us too. The point is shaming someone into being smaller, Mm -hmm. shaming them into turning away, shutting them down, conforming, shifting your shape, be different, be less, be more, be different than you are. Mm -hmm. You're not measuring up. You see, there's that religious-y tone in there. And that's another way that we can recognize when we're reading scripture. If we're feeling shame when we're reading it, that is probably a lens of a, a religious lens mm-hmm. or a shame lens, which I really think they're closely intertwined. It's so interesting that, I mean, we don't even have to go into this more because it probably is a bigger conversation, but the fact that Adam and Eve's first real thing that they saw, felt, experienced once. Mm-hmm 
they were on the other side of the fall mm-hmm. was their eyes were open to their sh- their nakedness and they felt ashamed mm-hmm. there was this total immediate recognition yeah. of something's wrong with me and i'm separated from mm-hmm. god i have something to add to that go you were talking about this earlier and uh somebody shared this revelation with me uh, one of my spiritual daddies here you know who you are if you're listening to this <laughs> wrecked me and i've shared it to, with a few other people but he was talking about how what Adam and Eve were told not to do was eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how it was actually never, it was never our destiny to know the difference between good and evil or Mm. to try and Mm. try and figure that out for ourselves. It's like right Mm. and wrong works thing. I know. And he was, he's telling me, he's like, if we are back, if we're restored back to the garden of Eden, if Jesus paid the price that we are living and breathing and walking in Eden days again, then that means that like knowing good and evil and weighing these things and feeling the oppression of right and wrong and measuring up and all of this stuff is actually that, that was never our portion to carry mm. it was never for us to mm. know mm. we were just meant to be and mm. to be able to trust ourselves to be like god created all this space for us to just come in mm. and be with him mm. and to know that we're you know measuring up mm. and that sort of thing mm. I know. And it, it kind of wrecked me a bit where I'm like, oh, I've held these weights and scales for so long of mm. trying to be this or more that or less this as mm. you're talking. Mm. Or know what's right. Don't mess up. Mm-hmm. If I do what's wrong, I'll get punished. Exactly. Like that know whole the thing. Know the Lord. Know it perfectly. Do it perfectly. Right and, and then if you don't, shame, 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 shame. Yes. And or punishment. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so interesting? It feels like it goes all the way back there. But all the whole intention of the Lord was like, that's a burden that's not yours to carry. Yeah. Let me be God and know and see and weigh and have all of that on me. Just listen to my voice and let's be together. Yes. And how easy is that? That feels so nice. That sounds like my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm -hmm. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come all who are weary and heavy laden by religion and shame and control and performance. And I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think this is a perfect way to end this because sometimes the gospel oftentimes it just sounds way too good to be true mm-hmm. it's almost like we can't believe it's that good mm-hmm. and life with God can be that easy mm-hmm. and knowing him and walking with him and following him is meant to be that easy yeah and that light and that doesn't mean we don't experience hardships but his what he's required us to carry is light mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, when we're discerning the difference between religion and Jesus, there's a great one. Is what you're feeling, what you're sensing, is it heavy or is it light? Yeah. Is it pushing you down or is it lifting you up? Mm-hmm. Is it pushing you away or is it drawing you in? Yeah. I think that's a simple way to discern yeah. when something is religious, when something is abusive when something has a yoke when something is shaming it's pushing away it's not drawing in 
Yeah. It's heavy. It's not light. It pushes mm-hmm. down. It doesn't lift up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just that good. He's just that good that it is that easy. It's mind boggling. But I think what I want to do is I think I just want to, I'll pray this time if that's okay yeah, and close you. this. I just, I, I feel so privileged to be leading and covering you. Those of you who are following this podcast and who are learning from the revelation that I'm releasing, which all came to me from the Lord and by no means am I perfect or do I hold all of the wisdom in this. I am learning every minute of every day and there are probably plenty of you who know more about this than I do. I just, my heart is just to throw you a lifeline. If you're if you're drowning underneath the heaviness of not feeling good enough or feeling like you can't hear God's voice and you don't know what the right thing is, or I'm having these dreams that I'm trying to learn to interpret, but I can't get to God's voice. And if I can't hear him, I don't understand that something bad's going to happen. Or you're feeling ashamed, like you're not a good enough Christian. Man, those things come at us from every angle. And it's not because something is wrong with you. It's because you're on the right path. It's because you're on the right path, walking towards freedom and the enemy wants to hinder. And you may have religious lenses that you inherited that don't have anything to do with you. Or maybe you received some bad teaching and you've just agreed with it because you were hungry to have some leadership in your life. And there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus ever. There is no condemnation from this end. I just want you to know that I am so proud that you are following him the way that you are following him and it's such an honor to lead and cover and teach you and I just want to release freedom to question when you start to feel shame or religion or something that doesn't feel good when you're reading scripture question it get alone with God ask him what that's about if someone's saying something to you who's in leadership and it doesn't quite feel right you're not dishonoring them just take it and bring it to the Lord get alone with him question it discern it if someone is making you feel like you don't hear God's voice for yourself question that we are his sheep and his sheep hear his voice and that is what it says in John ten ten, and that's it period all of us that are his sheep hear his voice If this opened a can of worms for some of you, I want you to know that I am available if you want to email me, if you want to reach out on social media, I am so happy to pray with you or answer questions. Sometimes this can be a much larger thing to unravel, but I hope that this blesses you and gives you some language for some of the things you may be discerning from time to time and really just gives you empowerment and a sword to say no and recognize when it's not the voice of God. Jesus, would you cover them? Would you cover them all? Cover them all with your blood that there would be no retribution or pushback or twisting or stirring up from them hearing or listening to this powerful truth today. I thank you that you are able to save. You have already saved and each one of these precious ones belongs to you. God, I bless them to know you without religion. I bless them to know you in such freedom And ease to know that easy, easy yoke. And God, would you help us all? Would you help me and Brienne continue to know you with even more freedom to see you rightly? In Jesus' name, amen. 